You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Archie Flower. And this is Enemy of My Enemy. We are going to get Brian here in just a quick second. I think he just doesn't like that introduction that we have. We're still polishing that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're going to get Brian here in just a second. Um, he's censoring he's taking, you. He's censoring. He's taking care of some family business. So, yeah, we're talking about censorship today. Um, oh, and Brian is here right now. Brian, welcome to the show. Greetings, guys. Thanks for. Uh, sorry I was late. No, you're good. We actually literally fashionably just late. Fashionable, fashionable. Forty seconds in, and Brian defines fashion. Um, so censorship. I wanted to talk about this both from the because I, I mean, hashed out bleep, bleep. There's a hashed out government like government censorship is bad, and I still want to get into that because it is bad, and we should talk about that in the way government censors things and uh, that, that we might not like. But then there's also the private censorship side. And I think that that's kind of an undiscussed thing because it's a lot, got a lot more complexities because I think that's something that all of us personally will probably partake in at least to some degree, but it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. So Archie, let's start with your thoughts on it since your vocal cords are nice and warmed up from all those bleeping. Bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> and uh, let's get to your thoughts on, uh, on censorship. So are we talking... Uh... Government or private first, or does it matter? Do it all. Yes. We're just going to hodge. Okay, so, <laughs> so hodgepodging it? All right. Yeah. Well, let's start with government, since that's typically what people think of when they say censorship. And I'm going to start with the, <clears throat> the, uh, the self-selected censorship of, oh, crap, they came down hard on this guy. So I'm not even going to go into that territory. And I'm going towards Assange and WikiLeaks because they are just hammering him. And they want to extradite him and they want to bring him here and, and put him in jail for whatever. And it's all political. It's, I mean, there's, there's, Assange has broken laws only because of the fact that there are so many laws to break. Like everyone on this podcast has broken laws. Everyone watching this podcast has broken laws. It's it's the system is designed that way so that they can come down on who they want to. And by coming down on Assange for being an actual excellent model journalist, they are telling every other journalist the First Amendment doesn't bleeping apply. You're going to shut your mouth and you're going to like it and you're going to enjoy it, and you're going to heap praise upon Big Brother, or you're going to get the WikiLeaks treatment. And that's that's the largest you know, example of government censorship in 2021, but it is also, unfortunately, the tip of the iceberg because there are so many cases where the government goes into court and drags people in and threatens them, and that works. 
They stay silent because they can't fight that kind of power. And we, unfortunately, because of how censorship works, we can't know what we don't know. I mean, it's it's a catch-22. Like, what has been censored? Well, we don't know. We, we don't know what the government is up to because the government is successfully squelching actual journalism. Journalists today are puppets of the current imperial regime, basically. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. There's no sugarcoating that. We are maybe a step and a half away from actual 1984 right now. I mean, look at how news is redefined on the web all the time because there's no authentication. There's no protocols to say, we published this two weeks ago, but oh, we silently edited it yesterday. You know, there, there's no real proof there. There's no real authenticity there. And this is from the top. This is from the government. This is all stemming from that. But then as you move down, let's take big tech censorship. Facebook, Google, um, Apple, Microsoft, all of, you know, Instagram, all of the social medias, Twitter, you know, all of it. They all have their own algorithms. It's not one algorithm. It's a whole slew of them. And if you say the wrong thing, you're banned with no recourse. And yes, it's, I mean, it's their private company, but there are definite hooks that the government has in. So how much is private and how much is government? But even if it were 100% private, it's still a form of censorship in terms of, you know, it's moral censorship. It's it's not violating anybody's rights. You don't have a right to, you know, someone else's platform. But it goes against the idea of the free market of ideas. It, it goes against the spirit of the ability of people to have a, a rigorous voice and a rigorous debate. And that also then has carry-on effects of, well, I see my friends getting banned. I don't want to get banned. I'm not going to post this. You know, self-selected censorship is 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 probably, you know, ninety-five percent of the actual censorship out there. It's it's because it's people see that other people have gotten hit over the head with a sledgehammer. They don't want to get hit over the head with a sledgehammer, naturally. <laughs> so I think those are my first thoughts on the subject. Sounds good, Brian. Assange is actually the, the poster child for what journalism should be. Now, I'm not saying that he is a saint. He's not Saint Assange. There's some issues with his past and stuff like that. But I think if you went and looked at Waypo, CNN, all these people have past. We all have issues. Um. But let's take a look at this a little bit closer. And uh, one great thing has been Spike's, um, Spike Cohen's media team, uh, social media team has been pointing this out last couple of weeks. It's really great. Think about this. The greatest hit on mainstream journalism was WikiLeaks. And uh, of course, Snowden, everybody else releasing things that the press wasn't really interested in investigating for the past two decades. So now we have this going on with Assange, with Snowden and things like that, releasing these things. It ticks off the people in big government. Now, it's kind of funny how the media has been 
pretty quiet on Assange. There have been some organizations that have come out and said that he needs to be released. There's no reason he's doing what all good journalists should do. But then you take a look at see who these big news organizations are hiring, like MSNBC and especially CNN. They're not hiring commentators that come from a news background and things like that. They're hiring former FBI and CIA operatives, senior leadership inside, former senior leadership inside the FBI and NSA and CIA. What is their position going to be on Assange? All those secrets that were stolen, quote, stolen, sorry, stolen by Assange. Well, they're not too thrilled about it because it made their jobs, quote, harder uh, in course of breaking the law that they were supposed to protect. So why are, you know, honestly, what's the media doing in this case? Well, they're hiring people who are ticked at Assange for ruining their jobs, quote unquote. Uh, I think it's Snowden for ruining their jobs. And they're going on TV and on social media and saying terrible things about Assange and all the terrible things he's done, especially his one uh, member that Assange was essentially arrested and trying to be extradited for a series of crimes that were uh, attested to by one person, one person, Sigi Thornson from uh, Iceland, who was part of the WikiLeaks group uh, originally with Assange. He's pretty much recanted everything he said about Assange. Everything. Uh, said that he only did it so that he could get immunity from U.S. prosecution for his various real crimes. Um, he's a kind of known criminal inside of Iceland. So really, the Assange case has kind of fallen apart. The one witness that they had against Assange has come out and said that he lied to get immunity, and yet he's still in prison. And yet CNN is still pushing, along with MSNBC and all the other big media, and of course also social media because they like to tag along with it, pushing to keep him in jail. So the real question is, the main witnesses recanted. The people that are only still calling for his, you know, extradition and imprisonment are the people in the media who previously worked for the organizations that they exposed. I think if we did this in any other universe, uh, any other industry, uh, there'd be Senate hearings on this type of stuff. But of course, we're in crickets because big media is not pushing it. Social media is definitely not going to push it. So it's up to us to keep pushing it because honestly, nobody in CNN and MSNBC is interested in pursuing the story. And I am Fox News. So that's where we are. And unfortunately, this is the type of censorship that's going on. They're stopping this type of discourse. And it's up to us and take advantage of social media and take advantage of all the little messages that we can put in to keep these type of things as front and center, because that's the only way things are going to change. Yeah. Um, um, Assange, Snowden, and Manning are all great examples of censorship, gov why government censorship is such a problem. Because you look at what they stop you to do, they, they hold you to these ridiculous non-disclosure contracts that don't even pretend to be about security. They, I mean, some of them, and I, mean, I think a lot of people can relate to this, are patently about like not wanting other people of your wage group to find out that you're making more or less than the rest of them, you know, like they're, they're, they're really done it in, in a poor way. And then the reason on the flip side, why I think, and one of the reasons I'm glad both of you brought this up with your opening statements is because it provides a really great example for 
personal censorship. So like a lot of what Manning and Assange and Snowden released, like they talked about, it's like, well, they had access to launch codes. Yeah, but they erased them. Like they, <laughs> they had access to a personal email. Yeah, but they they they, 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 they don't want access to launch codes. <laughs> they don't want the world to blow up as much as anybody else. You know, I mean, when we talk about, you know, uh, information that Snowden has that was yeah. released, I know the big the reason that what the CIA tried to assassinate him in Russia was because the the big deal was that he knows information. And if he's sharing information, who knows what he's sharing and who he's sharing it with? And it's potentially very dangerous information. But the thing is, is when they sent these leaks, they're very explicit about the purpose of these, that we deserve to know what our politicians who are making these decisions are doing and why, what their actual motivations for doing these things are. Um, in some cases, especially with the Manning leak, I mean, that was just one of those like realities of war. This is not like a, we're fighting islamo terrorists this is like we're blowing up a neighborhood and listening to people laugh about it while you know video shows them you know blowing up some guys walking his dog on the street and they're like hey, i'll bet we can laugh and pretend that was a bomb instead of a dog <laughs> you know it's like beavis and butthead are running the country here and you deserve to know you know that this is what you're sponsoring <laughs> when you sponsor when you say that these wars need to happen uh, now Let's be honest. It's not Beavis and Butthead running the country. It's the old man from Beavis and Butthead that's running the country. <laughs> <laughs> you kids gonna stop with the rocking? <laughs> Anyhow, stop with the rock and roll. Yeah, the. I think the thing is, is like, and I, and I'm not trying to say like the private censorship, great and government censorship's bad because I think private censorship can also be done irresponsibly. And a lot of ways, I mean, my goodness, you look at Facebook who then look how easily they're shifting from private censorship to now we want the government to do it right now. Yeah. Right. Like the commercials on TV, they're, they're taking the, they're saying, Hey, our censorship is fantastic. And what we need to do is make this common for everybody so that everybody's doing this. Well, those who've been censored on Facebook, especially the libertarians, might have a bit of a disagreement about that. Uh, <laughs> censoring <laughs> jokes. I mean, censoring outright humor. Um, certain things like well, there's, there's certain code words that like people laugh because the algorithm started auto banning them like seagull or whatever. Oh yeah. The okay sign. Right. Like, <laughs> everything's a okay. Or better yet. I just shot a three point ball. Right. Oh yeah. no, you're banned. Yep. Like look at all these, you know, white supremacist signals that LeBron James is flashing up. And it's like, yeah, no, that's not what that is. You guys like, they don't, they don't know. Right. Like it's goofball censorship and it doesn't make a lot of sense. So then it's like, okay, now we want government doing it. And now they want, you know, uh, the excuse that they're making on Facebook now in the commercials is that all that they want to have a common agreement among all the social media sites of what needs to be censored. Right. Like a, a common uh, what's it like the dialogue can happen once everybody's operating on the same rules, basically. So if everybody agrees to censor what Facebook says to censor and the politicians they purchase say to censor, then it must be OK because we're all on the same page. We all agree right. to it. Wait, yeah, it's it, it, yeah, it's the same. But but unfortunately, I'm going to say this. Um, that sounds a lot like a societal rule that society all of a sudden is going to come in and decide that what we can say and what we can't say. Um, that's that's the that's the creepiness part of it is that the people who used to lead society, the fourth estate, who would have your trusted advisors promising to do their best to investigate the government are the ones dictating 
what that speech is. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's and it's done so. I, I think the the issue is is that it's done so poor poorly, and it's done so biased uh, at various times to just say. I, I mean, you look at what they consider alt right these days. And it's just like, I, I mean, you know, this is uh, like, let's go. Brandon is alt-right language. No, it's no, not. It's... It, that's just the language of people who <laughs> are one sharing kind of a goofy moment. Right. And two, yeah. like, yeah, they're secretly saying something explicit without saying explicit. They don't like Joe Biden very much. Okay. There's a lot of lefties that do not like Joe Biden very much. Yeah. I, mean, I have a ton of lefty friends and some of them did, some of them didn't buy into the Biden thing. But none of them are super happy about what he's done on the border, the deals that he's making, the money that he's spending, the, I mean, the, the gross overreach of his office. None of them are like, oh, this is fine, and it could never be abused by the next right-wing president that we have. And then, I mean, you just look at, do you trust a politician to say what alt-left or alt-right is? Like, of course they're going to say that anything slightly to the left or right of them is alt, whatever that thing is, mm -hmm. you know, and that makes you. And, and so the, here's the thing. They're going to they're going to with censorship. They always grab a few extreme examples. So, you know, these people use this dialogue and they talk uh, January 6th insurre insurrection. Right. A lot of people were talking about getting getting wacky on January 6th on names whatever gab parlor right? parlor was the big one parlor was more worried about one six than the fbi was that should say right. something right and parlor was actually kind of, i mean from what we understand even they were kind of like hey we don't censor stuff here but government you should know this is kind of happening right yeah. so they even they did some self-reporting and the fbi was like shut up nothing's gonna happen whoops whoopsie daisies on that one uh <laughs> But this is the this is the thing that conversation is going to take place somehow. I mean, it's it, it it's like when they try to censor what can come out of a three D printer. Look, Pandora's box is open on that one. Like they try to ba they ban guns, so then people make gun parts. They ban gun parts, so then they make gun parts of parts. Right? Like I mean, it's just there's no like it's open. So at this point, let's deal with what's been opened as opposed to trying to put it back in the box. You know? I, yeah. Would you download a car? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Yes, I would. I would yes, download sir. a car. I would download a car. I would download a gun. I would do it if I was having some fun. I would quote Dr. Seuss. I would do it with a moose. You know, I just. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it's, fantastic. It, it's a... funny because the thing is, it's the Streisand effect. These guys, it's hilarious because the first thing they do is say, we're going to ban this. The minute, okay. I remember back in the 80s, Archie, you were there, I'm thinking as well. The minute they put those parental warning stickers, they weren't deterrence. They were, oh, oh my yeah. God, I've got to buy this. Because it wasn't a it wasn't a warning. It's like, oh, this album's going to be awesome. It's got a parental warning sticker. It's got Satan on the cover. It'll be great to listen to. My parents would be pissed at me. I was too poor to buy albums. I, I tape recorded my music off the radio. Ooh, with all the commercials and everything, of course. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I paused those. <laughs> the uh, boy, I, I, speaking of the explicit content stickers, not only is that a driving force, but it's even a driving a force for people like me that aren't big on like swearing and stuff. There are some really bad edits of some really good rap songs. Like I love X Gun <laughs> Give It To You, right? Like I love X Gun Give It To You. The edited version of that song is basically like X Gun Give It. 
knock, knock, open up the door. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, what is even happening in this song? Like the, I mean, my goodness, this, oh my goodness. Does anybody listen to the edit version of uh, WAP, right? Oh no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't even so... take the unedited version. <laughs> like I want to listen to the edited version. It's, it's like dead I'm silence. I'm going to sign with Ben Shapiro. If it's that all the time, you need to go see your gynecologist. <laughs> like, like the edited version of these songs is just like a drum solo. Like you just yeah. like, oh yeah. And then some guy with a keyboard coming in without a few things. And then he's just like, and that's the song when it's been edited. So for me, I even seek out explicit versions of stuff because I'm like, oh yeah, this is, they messed up the old one with censorship because it doesn't sound any good. It's not good at all. You know, it's one thing if you got to change like a word or something. I know like, uh, you know, so, some sometimes the artist is kind enough, especially if it's just like one word to like do a new, like, you know, instead of saying what the actual thing they said was, or like, I'll change a word for you. Uh, you know, like the, like, what, what was the Megan Trainer one? Like something about her butt. And then it's like men like women for the beauty they hold inside. And I'm like, this song's all about big butts. Like, don't. Don't yank the wool over my eyes and try to change it to like men love your personality. But <laughs> who is but who is making those creative decisions? It's not the artist. Right. The artist, I can tell you, I know artists that have right. done clean versions of songs mm -hmm. and they go through and they put the effort, same amount of effort into it. That's like, you know what, that song's not gonna play with a crowd that I want to appeal to. So I'll clean it up to something else. And there are artists that have done that. But the ones that have the flat out just beep or nothing or anything like that, or, uh, you know, like a uh, that's done by some corporate lackey who said, clean that up. You need yeah. to clean that up. And it's got to be done in the next 20 minutes. Okay, I got PowerPoint. Let me see what I can do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, like in, uh, in movies, too, in Fallen, um, one of my favorite movies near the end, they're like, forget you, my friend. And it's like such a bad edit. And it's like, no, forget is not the word that began with F that was, you know, the in the original. Like Fornicate. <laughs> we actually had a singer. We had a singer who would um oh, oh what's the song? Oh, um uh, it's uh oh, can't even think of it now, but there's just one to, uh, when oh it's Alanis Morris that's you are no. There's that one thing when you bleep her and she didn't want to say it. She just didn't want to say it. She's a good Christian girl, etc. So I said, just change it to fornicate because you want to know why? Number one, it's going to be hilarious. People are know what the word is. You're going to drop fornicate in there. But you know what? It's Still the thing thinking you put time and effort into it. Fornicate with her. <laughs> like, just when throw you, it in there. Is that F part? Fornicate with her. <laughs> I, I will say I, I actually used that on Twitter like yesterday, I told someone, move along and go fornicate yourself. Not bad. Because I didn't want to actually, you know, I was trying to be a little bit circumspect without being circumspect, you know? It was, yeah. I wasn't trying to censor myself so much as I was trying to go for that flavor. And that's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But the problem is, is that we're adults. We can consume whatever media we want. We consume whatever beverages or whatever devices you want to consume. But the reality is, is that the private censorship, censorship that goes on, it has a chilling effect. Do these companies like Facebook, Twitter, and have the right to do this? Of course. But you also have the right to confiscate 100% of your kids' candy when they come in from Halloween. Can you do it? 
Sure. Did you do that? Did you do no. that, Brian? <laughs> no. What I did was far worse to the to the kids in the neighborhood. They came over to our house. I opened the door and I said, guys, sorry, Halloween's been a little rough this year. I got some packets of stuff from the fridge. Go ahead and take one. And it had a bunch of ketchup and stuff. Kids were happy, though. A couple of them took the Chick-fil-A packets. And a couple, <laughs> so one kid took the garlic butter sauce from Papa John's. Now, behind the door, I had the, the candy, the full-size candy bars, because, yes, we're that awesome family. So I just sat there. They'd be like, a couple of kids would be like, huh? And a couple of kids are, uh, I will say there were a couple of kids who were like, oh, okay, I understand. It's kind of cool. Let me look. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> but a kid did take the garlic, garlic bar. He's like, oh, dude, I love that stuff. I said, yeah, go home and explain that to your parents. Some guy gave me garlic butter for Halloween. I should do right, that. Again, like the parents are watching the kids go up to the door and they're like, oh, that's great. Oh, the kid went inside and all the parents are like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm censoring that. Yeah, no. All, all, all transactions took place in front of our ring doorbell. So if somebody comes back and says, hey, you tried to slip heroin to my kid's food with that, with that garlic butter. Uh, anyone that listens, I'm sure you already know this, but I'll just say it again from the back row. No one is trying to get your kids stoned on Halloween. If anything, <laughs> keep the candy for themselves. Not that I would do such a thing, but pretty much guaranteed. Anyhow, that was a that was a weird thing. I, I read. Yeah. Uh, I was just reading the other day that the FBI has never once reported that there's been a drug or razor blade put in kids' candy. Like it's, not <laughs> once ever in the history yeah. of ever. Yeah. <laughs> But you know it is the FBI, so you really can't trust their investigators. That's true. Skills, too. I'll be honest with you. It's kind of. <laughs> what do we know there? Citing them as an expert, <laughs> kind of like, yeah, these are the guys that said in one six wasn't going to be anything at all, and then you know they also missed nine eleven. So you know, yeah. Yeah. you know. I, so to conclude my thoughts on this one, um, there's there's some censorship that, and I would say government or otherwise, I can kind of see happening. You know, without getting mm -hmm. into like the anarchy you know, minarchy, oligarchy, whatever debate. Um, but I, why I not? I, Are you I censoring that? Yes. I, I don't feel I don't like mean, we can get into it because it's <laughs> hilarious. I just want to remind everybody one thing here in this country, in the United States, you have the ability to say whatever you want without government reproach. Now, private businesses can do whatever you want with you. The UK is working on passing a law that if you're trolling somebody online, you can be punished by prison time we already have laws in the uk and australia and a whole host of other they got countries. meme laws over there yeah they've got they've got laws over there that they will come to your house drag you out kicking and screaming and put you in jail for a long enough time because you offended somebody and that is that's scary that now, the norm does does my being offended by that law mean they're going to arrest the members of parliament that voted for that law? No, of course not. They've probably got exemptions <laughs> in there. Oh, if you're serving in the government discourse, it's simply for investigative purposes only and to gauge public opinion. Kind of like how this, the uh, state trooper can sit there and do a hundred miles an hour down the interstate with his iPhone doing this. <laughs> dumb photos and stuff like that and he can do that and an open beer he's trained yeah mm -hmm. and an open beer uh no we don't go that far it's the dope they've got in the back that they stole from the <laughs> um that they're planting on other sides i have friends that are cops. they don't do that i'm joking at this point so although there are a couple that are probably going 
Yeah, I can think of a guy that would do that. Um, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, but we they, all can think of people in our job who we go, yeah, they would do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The the problem is, is that we can't be stifling free speech or artistic expression. And there's certain things that are harmful. Giving away launch codes could kill somebody, right? Like, and uh, I'm just gonna say it: child pornography is disgusting, and I don't yeah. care if it's I'm when I go about dismantling the government, that's on the last of my things to dismantle, right? Like, like, because it's gross, you know, like, and a kid was harmed in that, or someone is encouraged to feed their instincts that is told to harm a kid. Like if it like, cause people be like, it's animated or they're just trying to look like they're six or something like that. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care. It's gross. Right. Like, I don't, I don't want it like personally. And, and I think the funny thing is that's one of the things that some of these companies are the best at censoring. Like they're like, we don't censor your free speech, but like, as soon as there's gross stuff, then it's okay. <laughs> Some will disagree because I mean, I have one Fred that is like dedicated to exposing all the gross stuff on social media and the stuff he sees is, I know it's still out there, right? Like I oh. get it that it's still out there and it happens, but at least for the normies like myself, I'm not going to accidentally come across it. Right. No, and you... so, <laughs> I mean, at least me personally. Um, but the problem is, is we'll pass these laws that make sense, right? Like, I don't want somebody blowing up a building because of something I encouraged in a game. Okay, fine. So we give them permission to do that. And then what happens, and I'm going to talk about some real stories real quick, or I, I mean, at least one, um, you know, me dealing with the video game industry, China's ridiculous about this stuff. They, they go like so far above and beyond when it comes to censorship. And 99% of it, isn't even like doesn't affect the game in, in a way that you would even understand. Like, for example, I know in World of Warcraft, uh, they would make like skulls and there's a limitation to how many skulls they could have per like area, because if it gets too skully, you know, China's like, well, then all of a sudden you're thinking about our genocides that we've committed and we don't want anybody remembering oh, wow. those. So wait, we need wait. these skulls, oh. right? So if, like, if it gets too skully, does that mean X-Files is banned from... Oh, China? I was thinking that. <laughs> oh, see, I was, oh. was going to go with like a Dodgers <laughs> reference here. <laughs> Different kinds of skullies. Um, <laughs> you know, and so like 99% of the stuff is like that. And it's, it's a pain in the butt for the artists, right? Because they have two choices. One is to release an American version and a Chinese version, which sometimes they do. And then the other is, and this is what most of the time happens, they just concede to whatever China's demands are, and that's the game that happens. Now, the problem is, is 99% of the stuff that's requested is stuff like the skulls, where you're just like, that's stupid, but I guess. You can get the idea from 10 skulls or 1,000 skulls that people died here, I guess, right? It still affects the art, which in a way that I don't like. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's important for me to note that if there's a thousand schools, that's rather different than when there's 10 schools. It, it provides you a different feeling when you're in the game. But like the bigger issue here is that that 1% of the time, what they'll do is they'll have some character talking about how like, hey, you know, we got to go fight against this tyranny. And China's like, nope, you can't have that line or else you can't sell it here. And so these characters always, in case you're wondering why these games um, it's something that I think about a lot as a libertarian. They aren't allowed to be explicit, explicitly against authoritarianism, um, sometimes because of China and then sometimes because of even America and other countries and whatnot. We just don't they don't want to hear this overthrow language 
because, you know, we have laws against violence. Okay, fine. Like, how about if the person's nonviolent? Well, unfortunately, when you give it to the government, it's the sledgehammer, right? When you use a law, you're using a sledgehammer to take care of a problem. So what they what the character will call for is some kind of like revolution, could be peaceful, could be nonviolent, but that doesn't matter because all of a sudden you've used this language. People think, oh, they're going to talk about fighting against the government. They don't like it. You've given the sledgehammer the government. What you intended to do was stop violent speech. Honorable enough, right? I hate violence. Um, and and hey, I, like I understand the desire for that. But what happens when you give it to your favorite politician and when they start passing tyrannical laws and then they have control of the censorship, they can forbid you from talking about those those laws as well. And not just, you know, social media is very obvious because we talk about politics. So when you get banned for your politics, it's very obvious. But it happens a ton to artists um, who are banned for their their writing, their drawings, their pixels, and something that's like, hey, let's protest what the government is doing to us, right? Um, some of this was happening in Rage, which was talking about anarchy, and part of it was they had to make anarchy look an appropriate level of bad to make sure that nobody wanted it, right? So, like, you can talk about anarchy, but you can't have, like, like none of those, like, people catching rainwater and growing their crops with them. It has to be, like, this Mad Max, like, you know, so if you're going to talk about anarchy, it has to be in this way that makes it look like nuts, right? Like bananas. And that's the only option you have as an artist if you're going to, you know, be able to produce this art right and so this these artistic limitations are really really actually really harmful and so there's elements of libertarianism in all of gaming but where is it explicitly stated almost nowhere because as soon as it gets explicit that's when china steps in and they're like what the heck um one last thing i wanted to close with south park has a great episode called banned in china um b-a-n-d <laughs> in china and they actually knew it was going to get them banned in China, but they were sick of censoring their stuff for Chinese audiences. And they were like, you know what? We're just going to make an episode that in no way can appear in China, and then they will ban us forever, and then we can stop having <clears throat> to mess with our stuff to make sure that Chinese audiences can watch it. And they did that, and it's fantastic, by the way. Uh, it's a good one. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's good. I hope more artists kind of take that route. Um, it's hard when you're cutting off. The, I'm, I, I've talked about China a lot, but when you cut off any audience, when you agree to get your stuff banned there, these are big markets. And most most businesses operate on like a 2 to 3% to 10% kind of, I mean, it depends on the type of business, but somewhere in that profit range. And so when you cut off 8% of your profits, 10% of your profits, in the case of China and gaming, when you cut off like 12% of your profits, that's that's a big deal. That's the kind of thing that closes studios. That's enough of a difference wow. that make it so that your game that was profitable is now not anymore. Right. And so that like, I hope that more people take the South park route, but I understand when they don't. And it's something that we kind of need to stand in solidarity about. I think censorship is a lot of times I punish this person and I'm not going to stand with this person and they punish this person. And I don't care. I don't know that person. And I think censorship is one of those subjects that we need to talk about kind of at a, at a global level to say, like, listen, if they censor your art or my art, I don't care if it's right wing, left wing, whatever it is, I'm going to stand with you. And, yeah, you have some reasonable, let you know, anybody painting about nuclear launch codes or, you know, child pornography, you don't stand with them. But I find that that's kind of a unifying thing I don't even have to say because most people are at least have the common sense, but I'll say it just in case. Um 
but yeah, I, I think that you you find a way to make that unity and make that peace happen. And uh, yeah, I talked a lot, but there you go. Yeah. Can I talk about just real quick one thing I want to bring up is a parallel that I about a story I read this week on a TV show from the seventies called Barney Miller, and I think most people have seen it. If you have, you're probably like, eh, you know, whatever. <laughs> but but here's the great thing about it. Back in the 70s and 60s, we had network censors who would just come in and just nuke scripts. So you think about this. You'd come in, you'd write a script, you'd do all this development, you'd practice it. The censor would come in and go, nope, that's never making it on air. What happens? Everyone then starts writing to the censors. Oh, we don't want to even uh, tick them off a little bit. Now, these people also have a job to do. I'm not defending their job. But if everything's passing through them, are they really doing their job? <laughs> That's what some middle management's going to say. Um, so what happened was that people would push the envelope. And Barney Miller's the first television show that had a gay character in the story arc. Uh, it started in 75. And this is 1975. This is after the Stoneman, right? This is, uh, this is after all these things that were just starting where sodomy and everything else was still legal all throughout the country. And they brought on a gay man, uh, an actor who played a gay man, and it wasn't going to make it through the censors. So what the producer, Barney Miller, did was he underwrote the show himself. He paid for the whole production because he didn't want to sit there and have the show go through, go through production and then have it get canned because that would cancel the show. This is, by the way, its first season when it was not doing very well. But this episode made it through the censors. They watched the episode. They saw that it was done in reasonable taste. There were some pretty stereotypes in there that were addressed later on in episodes throughout the rest of the seasons. But it aired. And the backlash never happened that people expected. The censors were fully expecting that there was going to be a, a Congress, congressional issues and stuff like that. Because they were trying to defend the family time between 7 and 9 p.m. so that they'd put on family-friendly shows like the Waltons and stuff. But that backlash never came. And the censors eventually, a couple of years later, they all got together and said, there's nothing that we were doing to, to change it. The family time that they were trying to preserve was one of the worst times in ratings for television. No one wanted to watch it because it was boring as hell. And Barney Miller came out and did this show did this episode with a gay character who eventually developed into a gay relationship on a television show in the seventies. But the parallel I want to bring to it is this is what's going on right now in China. China right now is sitting there and censoring effeminate men can't show nipples, can't show, you know, they can't have totally shaved chests and stuff like that. China's stuck back in the 1960s and seventies when it comes to morality. And I got China. Yeah. Oh, let me, Hody, that was not an invitation, Hody. I'm going to send it right now. Um, but the thing is, is that, oh, God. Now what have I done? <laughs> All right, you know what? I've changed my mind. Censor everything. Thanks, everyone. No, um, Hody's nipple is the reason censor. Hody's nipple is the reason that flip side. No, um, but, but, in, but the th reality is society knows that there's change. And society's going to demand it. And the great firewall, the social credit system, things like that, you can only piss off a populace for so long. Eventually, things are going to change. People know there are gay people in China. People know that there are people who are interested in seeing Wait, skull what? being crushed. Excuse me. Did you just say that there are gay people in China? 
I know, hard to believe. Along with them, the Beijing say, government free, is going free to have words Tibet, with you now. Free, free the Uyghurs. Uh, free Tibet. What else can we make sure we get never get shown in China like we ever would on the other hand? Uh, Tiananmen Square. There we go. I think I got the three big buzzwords. Um, wasn't there some artwork about uh, one of the bigwigs that they were? Oh, you mean uh, he does not look like Winnie the Pooh at all? Not yes, at all. yes, yes, that one. Yeah. <laughs> so. But society is going to change. And even though we have government coming in and demanding that we have, you know, decency when it comes to speaking against politicians, of course, all these same people two years ago were screaming, fuck Trump. Um, Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. But but in reality, society knows and society and politics are pretty well intertwined. If politicians know that they can't sell it much longer yes they can depend on maybe their basis to kind of just swallow whatever they're giving and doing it eventually politicians give up and i'm hoping that we as a society can keep pushing politicians to say enough is enough stop treating us like children if you want to treat kids under 18 go for it go for it okay unless their parents give permission or whatever but once you're an adult I think all of us know how to use the block button, how to use the ignore button, and we should be better at it. Uh, yeah, banning on the personal level is fantastic. Uh, yes. I do it often. Um, it's healthy. It's you. You are responsible for kind of your own happiness, and if you find that the atmosphere that you have on social media is negative. You can either blame all of social media or take some control of it, you know, and, and customize it. And I, I, I'm glad that we have all these tools so that I never have to come across the opinions and ideas of people who I don't like and don't get along with. And I am glad that by banning them and not interacting with their stuff, they won't get any of my views. And I hope that a lot of people take Brian's lead and say, nah, I'm not going to do that. But we are banning Hody's nipples. Just by the yeah. Line. I'm, that I'm that's sorry, that's, that's a personal decision by the executives on the show. I was severely <laughs> outvoted, uh, outvoted on that one. Um, fun fact about the uh, Barney Miller show: um, it's one of the few shows to get canceled at like the height of its popularity, and not because of anything other than they ran out of writers because they kept getting hired for other shows because they were so good. Yeah. Um, to kind huh. of put in perspective, yeah, like ki- kind of one of those weird Hollywood oddity stories. Like most of the time, yeah. the ratings die down or something, but they're like they just people keep nabbing up our writers and paying them millions of dollars because the show's that good. <laughs> it, it was that good, but the reality is that just like with any show, and in fact, I'm going to say Ted Lasso. The rumor is it's a three season show, so next season may be the last. Mm-hmm. There is an end to a story there always has to be you can leave a dot 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 there and leave it to the viewer to kind of imagine but there are some shows that are good to end uh firefly was not one of them um but oh (laughs) i know i know so painful and then joss whedon turns out to be such a douchebag um yeah yeah brilliant director total douchebag um but But, but Barney Miller, again, great writers, great producers, great actors who were willing to do the things that had to make a show funny and relevant. And yeah, it just ran its course. So yeah, I guess I shouldn't say canceled. I guess it ended because they it ran ended, out of yeah. the writers. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and <laughs> you realize that the writing is going to suffer. If you realize the actors are going to suffer, 
And I mean, God, they, how, how much longer did they go to last? I mean, you look at him and you're going, well, we don't got him for five, <laughs> six months. Oh, no, he lived another 30 years. Um, so. There's some there's some shows that I, I, when they lose their way and when you hear they got renewed for the next season, it's like seeing that dog that's like got stage five cancer and you need to like lift its legs and it's like whimpering constantly. And you're just like, I don't somebody kill this dog like somebody out of mercy please kill this dog like for mer for mercy's sake and then like you know you're like heroes after season two or three you're just like dude somebody put this down like it was a great show but like i feel bad for these actors that it's still on the air like you know like they don't yeah. <laughs> a check <laughs> oh sure i mean in tv shows there's a there's a wicked amount of money to i didn't actually know uh, fun fact until uh, the whole Charlie Sheen meltdown happened that mm -hmm. it's more profitable to do TV shows than movies. Yeah. I always assume the movie stars got paid more, but I guess the ad revenue for TV shows, there's just no comparison. Oh yeah. And so like <laughs> finding regular work in shows is the way, like that's like the way to go about it. Mm -hmm. Things yeah. that I know. Friends was paying, uh, <laughs> friends was paying a million an episode to six people. So it's $6 million an episode back in the nineties. Do the math on that today. Um, what was it, Carol Burnett? I actually got to ask Carol Burnett a question. Okay, that's my big claim to fame in the universe, I guess, about <laughs> her trying to do her show now. I mean, could could a show like hers now exist? And she's like, no, oh. because because the casting and just everything <clears throat> they had, they had so many employees, but it was so damn profitable back then that nowadays it's very tough to run a show like that, but it's still a lot of money coming in. So that's why there's a lot, all that money in Hollywood. So. Archie, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you have the final words on this one because uh, you're very polite, and I do appreciate <laughs> that. But I'm you not. just let me and Brian go, uh, so, so well, go ahead and have some uninterrupted time, and then well, we'll, cut over well, to I you. didn't want to censor either of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, so <laughs> that's why for... that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just bring up the fact that Brian is extremely right that with the UK passing the laws that it's passing and Australia and Canada going the same route of you can't post that meme or we're literally putting you behind steel bars. Um, we have something we can really cherish still in the United States. And it's not just the First Amendment. The First Amendment is the legal protection. But the practical protection of free speech is still literally in front of you if you're watching this podcast. The internet is bar none the most practical, as in real and tangible, expression of the ideals of freedom of speech that humanity has ever created. And I just want to give a really good shout out here to the Electronic Frontier Foundation EFF.org. Please go there and learn about the tools that you can use to get around censorship and to create privacy in your own spaces on the internet. John Gilmore was one of the founders of the EFF and an amazing quote that the more you think about it, the deeper it resonates is the internet interprets censorship as damage and routes around it. Mm -hmm. 
The internet was literally designed with the goal in mind to survive a nuclear war. And this was back at the height of the Cold War when they had, you know, 10 times the weapons we currently do. The internet was designed to survive a nuclear war so that communications would still be possible afterwards, in theory at least. Now, granted, we had so many weapons that, you know, you're not really going to get much more than smoke signals off of the burning cities. But but the point being is that as it currently stands, if Facebook bans you, start your own damn website. You literally have the power. And and EFF.org, again, has plenty of tools and plenty of knowledge to get you started on just exactly how to say screw you to censorship. It's uh, it's shocking how many people experience more success after getting banned from all their social media platforms. Um, and maybe there's a lesson there. Archie, uh, thank you for those final words and that hey. for that glorious middle finger. You got like an extra <laughs> on that thing, Hey, man. one thing, I'm going to pitch a book here. Yeah. Where Wizards Stay Up Late, The Origins of the Internet. This is a fabulous book. You want to read about what they were trying to do? This is the book on the origins of the internet. And I highly recommend it. I've got my own copy I bought for, I think, a dollar from the library. So awesome. Well worth. They got it on audiobook. I'm lazy these days. They probably do. Probably That'd be good. awesome. I have Tim Berners League read it. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Delicious>. <laughs> it's called Where Wizards. Sorry. Where Wizards. Where Wizards Wizard? Stay Up Late. And Where it's wizards? about the Where Wizards Stay Up Late. Stay up late. By Katie Hafner and Matthew Lyon. And they interviewed, going back, Vince Cerf. I mean, just a whole bunch of people were there when uh, BBN started, you know, their their design of the internet, which was funded by the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. <laughs> uh, Sherry's got a comment here. Yeah. She's a librarian, by the way. Introduced teens and adults to Corey Doctorow, Doctor who, who mm-hmm. is Dr. Rao. Dr. Rao, who's on the board of the EFF Little Brother, is a modern 1984. I love pirate cinema. Both are books on speech bands. Great recommendation. Great book recommendations, especially while we're kicking off this thing. I'll admit I'm shooting from the cuff on this one, so I'll bet some literature on this would be just the ticket. Um, I I believe I'm on the correct side of the issue, but I'm glad that there's books out there that confirm my... My wisdom. <laughs> hang uh, hang tight real quick, everybody. We are going to be back in just a moment to give you a piece of our minds. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. And welcome back from the break. Thank you so much for holding tight. Peace of my mind tonight. I got to say, I'm having a tough one. Um, it was a slow last couple of weeks in politics. Um, they're mired currently on this massive spending bill, um, which is something we kind of talked about, maybe not at length, but enough, um, <clears throat> because we'll never know what's in it. So there's no real, it's difficult to say any more about it other than the libertarian stands of, it's spending a lot of money irresponsibly. 
And even the best intended bills always seem to make the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. So anybody thinking that this is finally going to be the one that bridges the gap, you are wrong. Um, <laughs> let's see here. As, so like, as far as anything else here, I, I'm having a tough time spinning this, but the thing that's most on my brain, and maybe I'm just going to talk about something non-political just straight up. Um, I'm a big Denver Broncos fan and uh, Super Bowl 50 meant a lot to me. Um, I was recovering. Um, I had met Jamie at that time, um, which was fantastic. I was kind of getting, I, it was kind of the crossover of getting out of the dark days of post-divorce and self-loathing, um, into a new relationship. And it just, it meant that I was in Colorado at the time. I know I'm in Utah now, but I was in Colorado. I, I of course, you know, grew up loving the Broncos and John Elway being a superhero and all that. And uh, the Broncos traded away Von Miller, and it's a, look, football's a business. Sometimes it's a brutal business. Sometimes it's a nonsense business. In this case, it makes sense. I mean, if Miller is healthy, he can help lead a team to Super Bowl still. Uh, the big asterisk there is if he's healthy, and the Broncos are not a team currently that can get led to a Super Bowl even if he is healthy. So why not him let him go to someplace else and get, you know, get rid of his contract, get some big big day two picks out of the process, which, so it made sense, right? Like trading Von Miller away, but it's still okay to be sad uh, and think about the good times that you had um, there. I know for me, I never get tired. I, I I've talked about this before on the main show, but I have two, I have two shows or uh, two uh, things saved on YouTube for when I'm having a really crumb day and I just need something to brighten up my spirits. And one of them is the Super Bowl 50, game and the other is the young turks on election night uh when donald trump defeated hillary clinton and i i, I believe me i still loathe donald trump maybe even as much or more than hillary clinton now but that, i no, love no. to see people get served yeah some serious <laughs> justice and that that whole episode of them melting down and saying, I mean, that's just, it's great. But anyway, not to get too much sidetracked on that one, but those are literally like the two videos that I actually have saved on my computer. Everything else is just like a website, general sports, social media work. I mean, I guess 90% of mine is for work. A couple of Dungeons and Dragons link there links there, but it means a lot to me to, to at least have that in my memories and just, just to be happy about, um, about the times that we had together. And I think there's something to be said for looking back in our past and being able to salvage the good moments without having to burn them down with the current moments. Um, I was thinking a lot about this today, just in light of the Von Miller trade, about other times in the past where some moment has gotten really, has kind of unnecessarily soured what happened in the past. And I think it's okay to not like where somebody's at currently and still think their comedy is funny. You know, I still find that Bill Cosby talking about Noah's Ark is hilarious, despite Bill Cosby being an absolute sack of shiz and all that. And it's OK to be like, I talked about this a little bit last week, too, or I guess two weeks ago when we had the show. But um, how, how YouTubers feel the need to be like, oh, I really like him as long as he didn't say anything racist or do anything bad. It, it's just like just just say that you find it funny. It's okay. Like, I'm not gonna, I love Firefly. Is this an endorsement on who Joss Whedon is as a person? No, I just love Firefly. <laughs> that's, that's it, right? Like that, that's the extent of the statement. And that's okay to, to have that. 
You know, you can look, and I think it sours our relationship sometimes because we can say like, oh, I had a friend who voted Biden and now we're not friends anymore. Can't be friends. And I'm like, dude, just what, if that's all it takes to sour you on that whole friendship. I mean, were there really no other good times? Is voting for Biden really so heinous that whatever was happening in your history is worth just getting rid of entirely and being done with? Like, I mean, I loathe the guy as much as a, a man can be loathed. Um, yeah, right on on par with you know him and Trump. I think for me it was a just toss up and make me vomit. But <clears throat> you know, I understand why people voted for him, and I had family that did. And I mean, my my relationship with them is so much stronger. My experience with them is so much stronger than than these moments, you know. And I think a lot of people right now are you know down on Von Miller because the injuries and just tired of him and and bloated contract and what. And it's like, look, that all my that might be true now. But like, look back on the past and let let it's okay to sh to smile about some things that happened and just say like I'm going to preserve those memories and they meant a lot to me and they still mean a lot to me. And even if you prove to be a fake person, that doesn't mean my experience with a fake person wasn't real, you know, or that that if you prove to be an abusive person, it doesn't mean that my relationship with you was always about that abuse. You know, I found that there's a lot of. Um, Gosh, there's a lot of stories about how like the town has a pedophile and it doesn't come out until like 80 people come forward. And they'd be like, darn, I really loved his sermons at church. Well, it's okay to take the lessons of that sermon. Just don't ask him for advice about diddling kids, you know, like that, you know, you can still have the good moments of that. And I think we have a very much like burn it all down mentality sometimes, right? Like people in the Broncos right now, I'm aware we're not <clears throat> that great, right? We this was the payment for being great and winning Super Bowl 50. People forget this. We wrote all these contracts and we knew we were never going to be able to pay out. It was going to be a disaster afterwards. A disaster happened. And now people are all butthurt and upset. And I'm like, guys, can you just be happy for what happened that you built? There are Lions fans on this planet. Okay. Can you not all sound like a total dick in front of the Lions fans? You know, when you're just like, oh, I can't believe our team. So, you know, we finished sub 500 this year. They might have the second winless team in the, or the third winless team in the history of the NFL, and they were one of them already. Like, they've never been to a Super Bowl. They haven't even attended, right? Like, I mean, a Super a, a playoff win for them. But, I mean, what, there was like a 50-year gap in somewhere in there? Like, yeah. like be cool, you know? And so, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm aware that this is kind of bouncing all over the place. But I think for me, like, I think it – the Von Miller situation kind of, and people's reaction to it kind of reminded me of just, we go scorched earth on the past and some of our relationships when they're, when something bad happens, as opposed to salvaging what you can, recognizing the pain for what it is. I'm not asking anybody to live in denial, but also understand that the joy that you may have got from that. You know, a lot of people get out of a bad relationship and they look for somebody who's the opposite of their ex. Well, odds are the reason you married your ex was like, 90% good things and then 10% like a really crummy, awful, whatever it is. But we end up flipping the whole thing. And so that way you end up getting is somebody who's nine, who's 10%, you know, Hey, I'm not going to cheat on you at least, but the rest of the 90% is total trash, right? Because you, you just wanted the opposite of the last thing that you had. And we need to stop jumping from these extremes, you know, take them for what they are. I guess that's all I got to say on the subject, but I think for me, this is just a good, a good reminder um, anything you guys have about uh, 
sports or anything. I didn't really set you up very nicely. I apologize. No, if the Broncos are done with Fig Fangio, we'd like to have him back as our Chicago Bears defensive coordinator, please. Um, (laughs) I miss Vic. Um, You know what? Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Christy, about the comments about uh, Lions fans, if you're listening. I did not say that out of harshness, man. No, I I truly feel for that. I I I have good friends that are Lions fans and Makes me kind of remember, yeah, I, I have seen a Super Bowl victory. I've seen them in the Super Bowl somewhat recently, and I still turn on the debit. As you turn on Super Bowl 50, when I'm feeling I'm in a bad mood, I put on de- all of Devin Hester's touchdowns, and that cheers me up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, football and, and sports have a really kind of a unique position in this country, at least in this country. The globe, it does as well with, with, with their football. Um but it's, yeah, we we really have to understand that there's only one team that can win a Super Bowl, and it's usually Tom Brady. Um, so <laughs> yeah, you're not lying. There was a period of like 15 years where, aside from Joe Flacco, every AFC Super Bowl contender had a last name of either Roethlisberger, Brady, or Manning. Yeah, exactly. I mean that's that's a wild. That- and yeah. we got to see it. I mean, you know, of course, people will be like, well, they got to see Manning and all the others, Namath and Marino. And yeah. I remember Marino, Montana, um, Steve Young, I mean, and a few others as well during a time frame. There have been some really good quarterbacks with Brady's. And uh, as much as I'm living in Indiana, and I shouldn't say it's Brady's pretty damn good, pretty damn special. Um, but so was Peyton Manning. So, oh, yeah. um, but it's great to see all of them perform at such a high level. So even though some of them are real douchebags, but, um, but if you're at that level, not saying excuse criminal behavior, but okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a, uh, you should model your football game after them. Not their are at that they're uh, the way they treat the server at the restaurant kind of thing, you know, like there's, yeah, there's yeah, a good reserve good... for basketball. No tipping Pippin. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> That that I grew up in Chicago. That's what he was known by all the restaurants in town. I have never heard that before. Is no tipping, little... Pippin. Oh yeah, him and Michael Jordan. Yeah, well, if they I'm came in. You'd up. be like, oh, I get to serve Michael Jordan. Yeah, you're gonna get a three dollar tip for a group of thirty. Not kidding. No tipping, Pippin. Look it up. It's a Chicago. It's crazy. Thing. Yeah, that, that's crazy. My view is if I can eat out at a restaurant, I can afford a, a generous tip. And my minimum is pretty much going to be 20%. Yep. That's how most people have worked in service are. And Hody's Googling the crap out of it. No tipping Pippin. Is that a thing? Yeah, apparently it is. I, I can't believe this. Yeah, Scotty Pippin. And, and as far as like the idea of judging the art because of the artist, like throwing out Firefly because of Whedon or throwing out, you know, Michael Jackson's songs because of, you know, his actions yes. or, or throwing out the Bill Cosby show because of his actions. I'm going to just bring it to the very top. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to throw out the document that begins. Um, We hold these truths to be self-evident because that document was written by a slave owner. I admire the principles of that document, even while the primary author was a, 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 massive bastard of a hypocrite and we can acknowledge that he was a hypocrite and acknowledge that he wrote an amazing standard for human rights 
and that's very similar to Ayn Rand. Her philosophy has a lot of really good points. The fact that she was an absolute bleepity bleep doesn't mean her philosophy is wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, great examples there. Um, Ayn Rand, especially just one of those that I, I don't think it should surprise anybody that you can write something better than you are as a person. Like I'm aware that like the art comes from the artist, but like we have these ideas of what we know we should be and should want, you know, like in the case of Thomas Jefferson or something like we have these great ideas and then he writes them on paper and all men are created equal. Oh my goodness. Of course. Wait, you own slaves. Oh, you didn't bother to set them free after you died. Oh, some of them were your kids. Oh, you know, like, yeah, it's like he, he understood the ideal, but was a flawed person. We're all flawed people. That's just how it goes. Um, Brian, let's have a piece of your mind, my friend. If I could find the unmute button. <laughs> Don't censor yourself. I'm uncensoring yeah. myself. And I, I was waffling back and forth, but I'm going to go on this and big government and Elon Musk and the crap that I saw this week from some people uh, being like, you know, Oh, Elon Musk should give up his, you know, his million, his billions were made on the backs of the federal government and stuff that 100% correct. He's also advanced technology in this country in automotive space areas that I never thought would see change in a decade that I would ever see in the rest of my lifetime. I mean, there, there's a good chance that we're going to have somebody on Mars because of his work. And it's funny to watch anarchists, leftists all come out in envy of what he's done. Um, I loved it this week. And don't worry, I'm not saying Elon's a, a brilliant, perfect human being and everything like that. He's got flaws just like the rest of us. But I did like this week that he went out. Uh, somebody had made a quote that if Elon had only sold $8 billion of his wealth, he could solve world hunger immediately. Oh, I saw six. that. Six. Was it six? It was six. Yeah. yeah, that's and, right. And, and he said, done. But you got to show me how you're going to do it, and you got to have open source accounting. Oh, 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 oh. And, and the guy who runs the UN Food Organization that was uh, complaining about that, so I'll, I'll come down, and if you don't like what I have to say, you can throw me out. And Elon's like, just write up the paper that's going to show me how you're going to do it. Shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> There's still no paper yet. Are we shocked? Once again, this gets back to government agencies, the UN, who is probably more corrupt than the U.S. government. If that's hard, and really not that hard to believe, but it's kind of a stretch still. Um, of all the cronyism and everything that goes into those organizations, and they sit there and have the gall to sit there and beg for more money when they came and accomplished their primary mission when they're getting billions a year and still blame it on global warming, nuclear weapons. This person looked at me funny on the subway. That's why I couldn't deliver food to this. All these other reasons as opposed to addressing the big problem, which is war and corruption. So if you deal with the war and corruption part, Probably the food part solves itself along with other things, but that's 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 too big of an issue to resolve. So six billion is less than one percent of the military budget. Yeah. I 
mean, it's also probably less than one percent of our social security budget too. <laughs> so, and w- would that extra money really go to? Oh, I mean, Elon, Elon well, saying open source accounting. Yeah, I, that is honestly, I, I've used that phrase myself. I I still want to push that. I still, I think that is. He even said sunshine is the greatest disinfectant, and these people are terrified of people finding out where the dollars are being spent because once they do, oh boy, there's going to be a lot of interested people find out where that money's going and it's not going to us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, there is a, a, I'm glad, I'm glad you chose this one because there's an interesting uh, kind of, kind of mental fogginess in the area of numbers when it comes to like, feeding everybody on earth or making everybody have a nice social safety net or something like that. Like everybody has one idea of what it is in their head. And then there's like the reality. So I, th- I think I've actually talked about this shit on the show before the number to feed all the homeless is somewhere closer to like, or not feed all the homeless. I'm sorry. The number the to house all the homeless or something. Yeah. You've talked about that before. Yeah. It's something like $350 billion or something globally, something like that, which is half of the military budget, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Elon Musk is worth $296 billion. Um, he doesn't have it in him, right? Like he could he'd give it all away. He won't have it in him. Um, a lot of the other issue, and I've talked about this on the show before, especially with businesses, they operate on debt a lot. These aren't money sitting in their pockets. This is money they would have if they paid off all their debts. But generally, especially with business people, they get into another debt. You know, us people on the bottom, usually you save. Well, I'm not that I'm on the bottom, I guess. But usually what tends to happen is you save up for something and then buy it. Whereas the better thing to do to get ahead of inflation is to get it on loan, start reaping the profits from that property, business, whatever it is now, and then, you know, pay it off later. But usually, especially with these big business folks, they've entered into another debt by then. So it's not like he has that money just sitting around. These are all in businesses. A lot of this would involve unemploying every single person that works for him if he were to even get up the $296 billion, right? He would have to, you know, shutter all his businesses, close all the doors, sell all the properties, fire all the people, you know, get rid of their benefits and all that and other unpleasant things. Um <coughs> So that's that's part one. The other part is this is this is the kind of there, there's a few um, there's a few problems with the math that happens when among people, especially when they think it's really simple to just take care of the problem. Because for me, I would be fine if we spent half the military budget and actually spent it towards, you know, building everybody a home. If we just slash the defense budget in half and then use the rest to build everybody on a home. You know, first of all, they wouldn't actually do it, right? This is the government we're talking about. They're they're going to mess it up, right? This isn't this isn't a simple transaction between normal people. This is politicians. These are the same people that spend two thousand dollars on coffee mugs and millions of dollars on camel statues, and then just misplace a trillion dollars here and there sometimes, right? Like this is the same government, right? So, so even though that money sounds nice. You know, when they are constantly accidentally sending money to districts that don't exist, but somehow their brother gets a hold of it. These are the people that are going to spend it. The other issue is that like just basic accounting. Um, One of the ones I love is the like if we hacked up every billionaire, 
you know, every multimillionaire in America, we could like fund the government for another three months or something. Like, it's just not, I know the idea is we get, we kill, eat the rich, right? And then that'll solve all our problems. But unfortunately, it's the system, right? This is why I talk so much on the show about changing the whole system as opposed to these little refinements, right? This is why, I mean, we're all libertarians on the show. We don't, we're, even if we are fine with gradual change, the change we're pushing for is not small, right? Like it, it would involve a lot of changes in order to get from A to B. And we understand that. A lot of us have different degrees of how quickly we're okay with getting there. But we understand that just hacking up all the rich people and selling it, even if we dislike these rich people. I'm probably dislike Elon Musk more than most other libertarians. I don't hate the guy, but I, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel any need to idolize him. I just, I don't have it in me. Like I, I don't love some of the stuff he does. I don't love all the way he makes his money. I, I don't necessarily think it's a great template. I will grant he has some awesome like quotes and moments that libertarians can and probably even should use. But, you know, in this situation, I'm not going to delude myself in thinking that Elon Musk is single-handedly keeping food out of the hands of millions of people, right? That's just not the way it works. It's not a zero-sum economy. Um, that gets into a lot of a, a lot of details. But like I said, we can hack up all the millionaires. Do you guys remember this? It, it, it rings of this. Do you remember when Bloomberg ran for president, uh, $500 million, and MSNBC ran a segment saying that's enough to give every American $1 million? <laughs> Instead of him running for president, <laughs> yes, he could have given that. every American a million dollars. And I just looked this up. I mean, I, it still exists, like it floats on the internet. But I mean, they said it. And here's yeah. the thing. One person said it, and the respondent went, you know, it's wild because it's true. You know, and they went off, and then they had a commercial segment. Somebody during the commercial segment was like, ah! And then they came <laughs> back. And, and like when they came back from the commercial break, we were like, uh, you know, obviously... We're not mathematicians here, so we screwed that up. But the here's, <laughs> here's the issue with that. It's that in their head, this is what they thought, right? The issue isn't that, like, for me, it's less of an issue that you did the math wrong, right? That it's like you could actually afford to give Americans, like, three bucks or something like that, whatever it ended up being. But I think it's less about that, and it's more about the fact that you thought it was close, Right. Like you thought that the millionaires are hoarding, hoarding so much money that simply him not running for president and sharing it with everybody would make everybody in America a millionaire. Like it's it's not just not true, but it's not vaguely close. And the problem is, is that these folks at MSNBC live in this mindset that it might be close. Right. Like that it might be that it, it's just we're one. If this guy didn't run for president, gave all his money away and said we'd all be millionaires. I can't believe all these rich people that are hoarding all this cash, right? Like it's a systemic problem. You don't have to love the rich. Like I, I'm not big on that. I kind of take that, like I have a very biblical perspective on it. And I do find that there's a point where the rich man is going through the eye of the needle and kind of has lost perspective on why you're here on this earth. You know, that's a personal perspective. Again, I would never force that on anybody else. If they want to accumulate wealth, I am a capitalist. I believe you can accumulate wealth and accumulate as much of it as you want. Right. Mm -hmm. But I just think I, in a personal stance, I kind of have a moral thing with it where I'm just like, all right, at some point you need to invest back in your workers or something like that. You know, right. um, a little more, not, not even that he doesn't, from what I understand, their employees are actually treated rather well. Uh, Lou actually schooled me on this last time. Lou was like, Hey, look, I know you're like dissing on Jeff Bezos or whatever, but like pays his people pretty well. They get good benefits. 
everybody there makes more than minimum wage. All kinds of stuff I didn't know. Do I still wish that instead of going launching a thing into space, he would do something else? Maybe. But <laughs> I also understand that like it's his money and it's his fun. It, it's right. Yeah, <laughs> but the, when it comes to space travel, I get a little like, you know, that, that little eight-year-old in my head starts jumping up and down. Right. Making our making our species multiplanetary, it has to be a goal. It's just as important as making our making everyone have access to clean water, making everyone have access to to a home or things like that. Can't guarantee it, but we ought to be working towards it as a goal. Um, and as we can prove pretty succinctly, government sucked at all three of them. <laughs> realistically yeah. uh nasa was far more interested in keeping the shuttle going at a cost of around a billion dollars launch um the cost of putting a kilogram into orbit was about seventeen thousand dollars if you use nasa space shuttle elon's gonna get it down to 50 bucks that is something that would never happen with ula boeing Arion space anyone else no one was interested in lowering the price and when you lower the price you're going to be able to do a lot more things you never thought were possible um and, and people call it a waste but then again these are the same people who go out and buy starbucks lattes every week or every day <laughs> even. oh it's so wasteful oh hi i'd like a double skim latte no soy uh, da, 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 so cut out the avocado toast and we'll uh, people yeah I, I didn't go avocado toast today <laughs> that nothing wrong toast. with avocado toast i didn't know not one millennial bit. anyhow um <laughs> so the the funny thing is is this people are you know we all waste money on stuff. Look behind me. I got plenty of stuff. I've wasted money on books and guitars and pictures and stuff like that. And, you know, you've got your, your, uh, I got the appliances. Pot. I got toaster. And Archie owns a mountain. So hold on. I mean, hold on. Know? Instapot is not a waste of money. Instapots <laughs> are, are like the closest thing we have as humans to magic. <laughs> nah, I got, I got magic sitting outside. Yeah. Believe get, me, uh, I had plenty of wasteful stuff. So your no, point yeah. is well taken. The com I mean. Komodo <laughs> grill, the little Komodo grill that you can get, put a little bit of charcoal in there, and you just get up to about 600 degrees, put a ribeye steak on there, you know, like four or five minutes, four or five minutes, the best steak you will ever have in your life. If you go and, into cooking and grilling and stuff, there, I'm not going to be able to talk about anything else. Yeah, I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, I know. We're going we're gonna to go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> so, yes, but the Instapot is very nice, but yeah. I still... Your point's yeah. well taken. I probably need to get educated more on Musk before I talk about it. I think I get so... I think I'll admit I get sucked into kind of the media narrative of like, look what he could have given to his employees. But at the same time, like you do give hope to other people, you know, right. kids... And, and but like you said, I mean, not only is he sticking it to NASA, but Boeing, Lockheed, all those other places that have kind of abandoned. I mean, you're talking about Russians, a lot of places that have abandoned air, air travel and yeah. have kind of moved more into building missiles. Yeah. So like, you know, that it, it, it's at least ni nice to see it not get weaponized. Mm -hmm. And and he's disrupting the industry. He's disrupted the automotive industry. He's disrupted the mm -hmm. space industry. I'm not, and I know people that actually work inside his ecosystem. I wouldn't worry about their employees. They're going to be fine. All right. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, I, you know what? Leave it to me to get suckered by a good story. Archie, you may have some closing opinions on that if you'd like, but I'd also like a piece of your mind too when you have a second. So it's really funny that uh, you have been both speaking about different billionaires and stuff like that because I didn't choose the piece of my mind segment until we were on. <laughs> and I chose it to celebrate one of my heroes in a sense, um, Captain Kirk actually making it to space. And, you know, it seems, it seems almost childish. It seems almost trite. It seems almost trivial. It seems almost like it was nothing. But I got to be honest. It's really inspirational that this guy that represented the United States Federation of Planets. Um, he actually got into, you know, he, he didn't do an orbit, but he, he got into space for a few minutes and his reaction was like, this is nothing like I've ever imagined. <laughs> and, and his imagination, what, what kind of price tag can you put on his imagination sparking millions of five-year-olds around the globe so that in 15 to 20 years, they become NASA engineers. They become ESA engineers. They become engineers propelling whatever country's space program or whatever private business space program exists that they can get their hands on. They are the people that will bring us to Mars. They are the people that will design the ships that will bring us to Alpha Centauri and our nearest interstellar neighbors, not necessarily setting foot, but the space probes that make it to Alpha Centauri for the first time will be designed in 15 or 20 years by the kids that saw William Shatner go to space. And there's no price tag you can really put on that. That 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 flare of the the human imagination. Yep. It's yep. like when when um, Jules Verne wrote "From Here to the Moon." That sparked a whole other generation, and that spark of the human spirit is indefinable, and it is it is the greatest power that we have, not just as individuals, but as humanity to reach forward and to actually try to grab something of the future that we can hold on to now as a, a method of here's all the bullshit. Here's all the politics. Here's all the crime. Here's all the violence. We're going to take all of this and we're going to set it aside. And we are going to have a little bit of hope and a little bit of fun and a little bit of courage to say that we can actually take Neil Armstrong and 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 push him like like a, a pile of poker chips. We are all in for the next generation. We are all in so that we can set someone's foot on Mars for the first time ever. An interplanetary body. And then after Mars, where are we gonna go? I mean, it's 
okay, they, they denied Pluto his planethood status, but still, someone's going to be the first to set their foot on Pluto, eventually, because William Shatner went to space. So, yeah, Bezos is an asshole. Bezos is this. Bezos is that. But he also helped Shatner into space. And Shatner going to space is is already kind of like a flag planted on Mars. Archie, I mean, amazing stuff there. Uh, between, you, <laughs> it, between you and Brian, I mean, I usually, I think I've said on the show, it takes me like months to change my mind. I think I'm going to flip on this one, like on a show. I think I am okay with the with the modern space race. Like I, I guess I didn't I didn't really consider the inspirational ang- angle. I think for me, I tend to get bogged down in like numbers and all the money that it could have done here and there. But there's not, like you said, there's not really a replacement for that kind of inspiration and for that kind of what it the message it sends to other people, you know, and and the hope that it gives them. And if it's done not on the taxpayer dime, oh, what what am yeah. I going to say? You know, like that's pretty good. It, it's all done on the taxpayer dime, Blue Origin, SpaceX, Rocket Lab. All these companies are are getting public money for it. Yuck! But well, I know yuck. I know yuck. Hang on, listen <laughs> to me. I'm, I'm Boeing, Lockmart, Arion, all these defense contractors have been getting the same money, and instead of doing something with it, they're they've been pissing it away on various pet projects and we're going to the moon and beyond, which I heard back. I mean, we went to the moon when I was a toddler. It's ridiculous how it's, it's the equivalent of Columbus and uh, no, no bad example here, but Columbus sailing to <laughs> America and then not doing anything for 50 years. Boom. All right. I did it. All right. Let's go back home and just sit around and be awesome. That's what we've been doing. NASA's mission with the ISS and stuff like that was that, holy crap, we have these shuttles and we have no mission for them. We got to do something. Let's go ahead and build a space station. That's what kept the shuttles flying for the last 20 years. Then all of a sudden we lost Columbia and all of a sudden it was like, well, it's in the safest thing. We had to buy Russian rides for the next decade. SpaceX has been the first company to guarantee us access to space on U.S. launch facilities, something that Blue Origin hasn't done yet, even though they got funded at the same time as SpaceX. Florida came to get their rocket running right. And they're losing people left and right because of a toxic work environment. So I, I love William Shatner going to space. Um, it definitely did not sound like a sex tape, uh, but um, <laughs> I'm sorry. His descriptions were pretty, pretty like were, were wonderful. And I was something I hope I get to experience. But as my two-year-old has asked me, uh, my two-year-old grandson has asked me, you're going to go to space with me? Uh, he has become a kind of a space geek after we took him down to go watch uh, Falcon 9 launch uh, this nice. spring. And he said, you're going to go to space with me? I said, I, I don't think I'm going to go with you, but I know you're going. And that makes, makes my heart sore, thinking that he's going to, and that generation is going to be up there. And I, I look forward to it. Hopefully, as I, I get to see it. According to the interwebs, mm-hmm. Blue Origin <laughs> is definitely publicly funded, but specifically the space flight did not receive no. any taxpayer money. No, the, the space flight did not receive any taxpayer money, but Blue Origin's New Glenn and everything else are all being underwritten by NASA. That being said, it's made more progress 
then ULA, which is United Launch Alliance, which is run by both Boeing and, and Lockheed Martin, that ULA has done in the past 30 years. They've developed a couple new rockets and things like that, but honestly, still expendable. And Elon, in one bold stroke, said, we're going to land these things. And they all laughed at him, <laughs> saying it was totally impossible. The Russians said that it was more likely that he'd get to space using a trampoline. So... <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's it's one of those things where I see people from all sides shit on it. But the thing is, this I'd rather the money be spent at least on hopefully yes. something good. If the money's getting the money's going to be spent, it sucks to say it. The money is going to be spent. I'd rather be spent by a company that's going to do something good with it as opposed to a company who's just going to go ahead and do what Boeing did: develop a rocket that uh, you can't get off the ground. The crew caps can't get off the ground because. You haven't figured out that uh, 12 valves uh, with high pressure nitrogen and a little bit of moisture are going to create nitric acid and they're going to seize up all your valves. And three of them you can't even get to. You have to tear the whole damn whole damn capsule apart to get to it. Thanks, Boeing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. as much as uh, as much as a, a libertarian as I am, and as much as I believe taxation is theft, and that we desperately need to cut spending. If I could only make the change of you know cutting half the military budget but not actually cutting that out of the federal budget but diverting half of the military budget to nasa i would do that in a heartbeat and not lose any sleep whatsoever all those children that you're starving you should feel ashamed of yourself hody show them your nipple again um <laughs> it's time to end the show solidarity <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I I, uh, I appreciate everybody's thoughts on this one. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. Brian has been awake since like freaking five in the morning. So uh, we're going to go ahead and let Brian go to sleep because where it's where he's at, what, it's like 1030? Woo! Yeah. Yeah, it's nap time, Brian. Uh, Archie, thank you so much for filling in today. I know it was, Absolutely. It was last second. I Glad to talk to you, love having you on. And uh, appreciate you. I mean, heck. Short notice, and you give it a passion speech that changes my mind <laughs> on the spot. That's uh, that's impressive. That's impressive. Uh, but thank you both for your thoughts. All listeners, thank you so much. The last episode that we had, again, broke a ton of records for the show. Um, I appreciate everybody giving me a week off last week. I am still recovering from a cold, so if I sound deeper, and you're like, hey, is Hody trying to sound more manly? No. I'm very... <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the roids. Uh, no. I just... Uh, I happen to get a cold. Um, it's a good thing we didn't do the show last week because I was kind of in one of those like, hey, everybody, welcome to enemy of my enemy. You know, I'm breaking it up right now, but I'm still a little under the weather. But uh, next week, uh, for those of you who have listened this long, we are going to have Larry Sharp. So uh, it should be interesting. We're going to be talking about the pursuit of happiness. We already know the subject. Uh, selected by Larry personally. So... I am excited to talk about that and have him on the show. Listeners, um, I hope you are too. Um, you've been excited about all these shows so far. I, I could not ask for a better audience. And thank you so much for giving me the time whenever I need the time. Ron, my super fan. Ron, Ron has a show too. I'm going to find a way to pitch that in next week somehow. Um, mm -hmm. Just because, I mean, if anything, if anything has got to happen to our number one fan, yeah, the least I can do is pitch his podcast. So, and yeah, uh, we won't mention the Vikings losing to the Cowboys. Sorry, Ron. We won't uh, mention. The, <laughs> yeah, 
You know what? I think for all of us this year, we could probably tone down the sports talk just to, for all Go of ahead. the core people on this show. You know, I, yeah. do do we have any big what like Cardinals fans, Packers fans on the show? I don't think. We oh, God. oh God! Oh yeah. <laughs> God! Oh, that's right. They're in your division. Oh, I'm sorry, Doc. Not that's only not... are they in our division, my mom lives in Green Bay. I grew up in Chicago. I've been a Bears fan all my life. And she moved to Green Bay, Wisconsin. No. I have to go there. I went there a couple weeks ago, a couple weekends ago to go help out with some things up there. And I was checking out at the supermarket and ladies talking to me. And I said, yeah, I'm, I, I don't live here because she wanted the card number. And so she puts the food through and uh, she goes, where are you from? I said, Fort Wayne Byers. You grew up in Chicago and told her, yeah, my mom moved here, blah, blah, blah. And she packs up my groceries and she says, oh, have a nice day and go pack, go. And I'm like, I'm holding, oh. a, case. I'm holding a case of pop. It weighs probably about five pounds. I can chuck it pretty good. You know, I can probably get <laughs> Good, you know, <laughs> get some distance. I was like, yeah, go, go, go. I am. I believe me. I know how it goes with those rivalries. I, uh, I tend to like. I kind of, I'm kind of fine with my division rivals. I guess. Uh, yeah. I, I guess the Broncos have had. Maybe it comes with having enough success in the division that, like, you're like when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, I was happy for him. You yeah. know, uh, but. I do, I do can see how sometimes, especially if one team is saying "I own you," I still own you. That can uh, that can spark a bit of. Um... Can start doing what Archie did earlier when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. But anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, everybody. What? Oh, I'm getting my coughing fit, so it's time for me to smoke another pack and log off. <laughs> Thank you all so much again. Love you. Kisses. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>